Hello, everybody, and welcome inside Season 2 of the What You Need to Know podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Ewing, play-by-play voice of Utah women's basketball. This is the What You Need to Know podcast that focuses on all things University of Utah women's basketball. We take an in-depth look of what's going on inside the program. This is Episode 5 of the What You Need to Know podcast. If you joined us last week, we sat down with Kemri Martin. Got to know what's going on in the life of Kemri as she is going through quarantine right now. On today's episode, we'll move on to another former freshman, upcoming sophomore on next year's roster, and that is Brenna Maxwell. Now, Brenna had a truly spectacular freshman campaign. With it, she earned Pac-12 All-Conference Honorable Mention honor. She becomes the first Ute in program history to earn that honor as a freshman. She was also named to the Pac-12 All-Freshman First Team with her spectacular performance this season. Named the Freshman of the Week for games played between February 3rd and February 9th. That was the week that Utah traveled to Washington to take on the Huskies and the Washington State Cougars. If you remember that one, Brenna Maxwell returned to her home state on February the 7th, or her hometown, I should say, on February the 7th. She had a cheering section that was absolutely phenomenal. And she propelled to 16 points and the victory over Washington. She followed it up on February the 9th with 22 points to get the job done over the Washington State Cougars. She led the team in scoring with 13.1 points per game, scoring a total of 407 points, the most by a freshman since joining the Pac-12. She knocked down 83 three-pointers, set the Utah freshman record for three-pointers made in a season, was also fifth all-time in that mark as well from the three-point line for Utah history. With it, she led the Pac-12 in total three-pointers made at 83 and second in the Pac-12 in three-point percentage. She was also ranked fourth in the nation, shooting the basketball at a 47.2% clip from beyond the arc. Brenna played in all 31 games, starting all 31 games, and led the team in minutes as well at 26 and a half. And so obviously, a lot to look forward to in the very young career of Brenna Maxwell. So let's go ahead and without further ado, welcome into the podcast, Brenna Maxwell. Brenna, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh man, I'm doing so, so well. Hey, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and hopping on with us today. Yeah. How are you, Brenna Maxwell, spending your time right now up in Gig Harbor, Washington? Um, I've actually been cooking quite a lot. Um. My parents are making my brother and I uh, cook at least once a week, family dinner. So I've actually enjoyed that. And I've actually learned a lot about cooking. And it's a lot harder than I thought it was. <laughs> but I'm learning a lot. And then um, I'm reading a little a little bit. And then I'm also, of course, playing basketball. I have a hoop in the backyard that I go outside and shoot at. So I'm blessed to have that. But other than that, you know, I'm just chilling, waiting, counting down the days to come back. Uh, so obviously one of the, I guess you can look at it as a benefit of this time period is that you get to spend time, kind of time that you didn't expect to have with your family. How has that been for you? It's been good. Um, I have been able to spend a lot of time with them, especially my brother who, my twin brother, uh, he goes to a school in California and it was nice to have some extra time with him because he got to come back too. And it's just, it's special because, you know, usually I wouldn't be back and, you know, it's such a crazy year. It's really nice. You know, I, they come to games, but it's different when you're at home and you get to spend time with family. And, you know, over Easter, we FaceTimed our grandparents. We could have Easter dinner with our whole family. And it's just, it's been really nice. So let's go into the season now for a moment. Obviously a very decorated freshman year for you. 
Uh, if I were to have you pick out some of your favorite memories or favorite highlights, what would those be? Um, I think beating by BYU at BYU is up there. That, w- that was pretty awesome. Um, it was fun to go in there and the crowd was all hype and then, you know, leave and they're kind of silent and just kind of <laughs> walking out. That was a great feeling. And then also I think beating ASU on our home floor, um, that was pretty great just for our seniors because, you know, I'm, I was a freshman, so of course I wasn't really part of the rivalry until this year, but to win that for the seniors on senior day, the way they battled ASU every year, it's, it was awesome for them. And I think just like the whole experience of being able to step out on the pack, like in a PAC 12 game on the floor, like that was such a surreal experience for me the first time that happened. Um, I mean, it was just always been my dream to play college basketball. And then when I finally got to do that for the first time, like that memory is going to be like ingrained in my memory forever. You, you talked about the rivalry, the BYU-Utah rivalry. You had mentioned that that was a great environment to get the victory in. When you were able to play in that game and feel the electricity from that crowd, just how cool was that? And did you gain a new appreciation for that rivalry? Yeah, I mean, like I, I knew a little bit about it going in, but I don't think I realized how like amazing that rivalry is. Um, like it was packed the whole time. Um, fans were screaming. I think it's just cool to see how big Utah basketball really is and how much of a fan base Utah really has. And it was just a really cool environment. And it's going to be exciting the next three years to see what happens. But it was just – it was an awesome experience. Another game that will always stick out in my memory from your freshman year will be when we traveled to Washington – and your basically your whole entire family and then some showed up. Uh, talk about that experience for you. Uh, obviously, it was a good game for you. It was against your hometown team, the team that you grew up watching. Just describe that electricity for a moment from that game and uh, just how great it was to see the support that you got in that game. Yeah, that was a surreal experience. I don't think I'm ever going to forget that. That was It was really awesome to be able to... I used to be sitting in the stands where all my friends were sitting in and my family was sitting in like every, I remember like it was yesterday, just watching UW play and then being able to play against them is like full circle. And then having that fan base after the game and seeing all the family and friends there um, was pretty awesome. And actually um, my friends were telling me that they were sitting behind the UW bench and uh, head coach told them to move um, because they were too loud tuned for Utah. But yeah, it was it was an awesome it was awesome. It was just yeah, it's a blessing. I'm never going to forget that moment. Oh man, I bet you I bet you that would just be incredible. I remember your dad telling me that there were at least 100 proud that were planning on showing up. That number was a little bit bigger than 100. Yeah, it felt like the whole, our whole my whole town was there. Everyone from my high school team was there. I think everyone I knew from Carver was there. My third grade teacher was there. Like I haven't seen her in like <laughs> 10 years, but she was there. It was yeah, it was awesome. Obviously, one of the really cool things about the collegiate athlete is that you get to travel. Uh, You get to to play some, as you just mentioned, you get to play UW, but you get to play some really big names and some schools that, uh, you know, it's really cool to travel to their campuses. Uh, As you think back on this last season, was there a trip that stood out as maybe your favorite trip of the year? And why was that? I think the Washington schools, like we just touched on, not just because of this, the fan base that was there supporting Utah, but I think just coming home and then getting that road sweep because in the Pac-12 getting a road sweep is a huge deal. And we, we got that. Um, it was just fun. I think it was really, our team was just really laid back and had a lot of fun also off the court and on the court. And then, yeah, just seeing my family and, and having them watch me play was, was awesome too. Now, one really incredible thing that I noticed throughout this entire year 
is that, you know, obviously the road trips were one thing, but your parents were at literally every single road game. They didn't miss a single road game all year long. How great is it to have that type of support? I know this is my fourth season that I have uh, done Utah basketball, and I've not seen anything like that before. I mean, the closest I've seen is probably Kiana's parents. Um, they would travel a little bit, but not like the way that your parents traveled this year. So how great was it to have them literally be at every single road game and most of your home games as well? Yeah, it was so cool. I think they only didn't make, I think, three games or four games the entire year. It was like every game, they'd be like, we're in the stands, we're in the stands. My team would be like, your parents coming? I'm like, of course. Like, where are we? (laughs) Alaska? Of course they're coming. Um, But yeah, it was really cool. I mean, um, it's really a huge blessing to have parents that can uh, make those trips out. Um, And it just, it's awesome. It's cool to be able to, you know, you're playing, you can look up in the stands and see someone, you know, from home. Um, it helps a lot, calms the nerves down. And then just having a, that support system was really huge for me as well. Now you just mentioned this, but you said kind of calms the nerves down. Another thing I'll remember from this season is how you kind of struggled to start Pac-12 play. You didn't really find your shot, but then I believe it was the third game. It might've been the fourth game of the Pac-12 season. You found something and it stuck with you throughout the rest of the year. Uh, throughout the year, you and I talked about it on post-game interviews and things like that. How would you say that you were able to find your comfort level once you had your first taste of Pac-12 play? Yeah, so I think right before we went to Colorado to play at Colorado, uh, Coach Rob called me into our office and was talking to me, and she was basically just said, lay it out in the line, like, you're just becoming a stationary shooter. You're just kind of, you know, doing the same thing, dribble pass or catch and shoot, and, like, that's not going to work. This is the Pac-12 People know what you do. You can't just stand there and shoot. Like, it's not going to work. Maybe you get one shot like that a game. But she was kind of a huge wake-up call because, you know, this is the best basketball ever. So I kind of had to figure out, you know, how to do other stuff besides just catch and shoot and um, create my own shot. And uh, I think from the Colorado game on, I kind of found my groove a little bit. I had to slow down, um, kind of read the defense more. But I definitely need that wake-up call. That helped a lot. But that was kind of where the turnaround happened. Oh, that's great, Brenna. So now I want to step away from the basketball floor for just a little bit and ask about your college life. Obviously, your first year at college away from home, um, off the basketball floor, what will be a memory that you will cherish most from your freshman year at college? I think it was just just all the times the team was hanging out outside of basketball, like the team retreat or, you know, just bachelor night at Drew, Mo and Julie's house. Um, those are always just the fun little moments you got to hang out with the team. It's cool because with this team, we never really get got tired of each other or sick of each other. So it was kind of like, I always had a three hour, three hours of workouts and practice, but let's go, let's go go to a movie or something. And just all those little stuff that you enjoy outside of school, outside of basketball and just hanging out with friends. I think that's the thing I'll remember forever. That's awesome. And, you know, definitely one of those things that as you go through, I mean, you still have plenty of time left in your college life. And, you know, this quarantine thing will pass and you'll be able to actually get that time back. So, you know, just make sure to cherish all those moments because you once once they're gone, you're never going to get them back. And you can see all those players that have come through. You know, they, they talk about that, too, that that time is over and they'll and they'll and they cherished it and they'll never get that time back. I want to rewind a touch. You had a very, very decorated career at Gig Harbor High School. Uh, I'd love to kind of get 
um, some background as to maybe some accolades that you were able to achieve in high school and the big difference between you're playing your four years at Gig Harbor and your first year in the University of Utah. Yeah, I think the thing that stands out to me the most from my high school career is winning a state championship. Um, it was the first state championship in school history for Gig Harbor. Um, so it was really cool to just th- put that banner up and do that for the program. I think, yeah, our team set a score, a state record for free throws, consecutive free throws made in the game. I think we were 21 for 21. So I think that whole experience, like we were underdogs the entire tournament, it was just kind of kind of a Hoosiers experience for our team. Um, it's a little town that won the state championship. Uh, so that was probably the thing that sticks out for me the most. Um, the transition to college, I think, I don't think you can ever be prepared. It doesn't matter how good you are. You're still going to have those ups and downs in college because I think just the adjustment of this, the style of the pace, the speed of the game is totally different. You have to adjust because a lot of stuff you did in high school is not going to work in college. So you got to figure out how to adjust or you're not going to play. It doesn't matter um, if you're a freshman or senior. If you're good, you're going to play. And if you're not, you're not going to play. I think just, um, just embracing that and learning and adjusting is the way to go because it's definitely entirely different from high school for sure. Very interesting thought. Uh, so now I want to ask about uh, your hometown a little bit. Uh, I'd never heard of Gig Harbor prior to hearing that you were coming to the University of Utah. Uh, tell me about your hometown a little bit. What makes it special? Maybe what you used to do when you were a kid growing up. And if and if I were to visit Gig Harbor, where would you tell me to go? I'm not surprised you haven't heard of it. It's a pretty small town. Um, it's probably an hour north of Seattle, um, depending on traffic. But yeah, it's definitely small. It's right um, in the Puget Sound. So it's really pretty, um, especially in the summer. All the boats are out. I would definitely recommend going downtown because that's where the water's at. Um, Tide's Tavern is a really popular restaurant. I have not been in there. You have to be 21 to go in there. But um, I've heard it's very popular, and the food's great because I've, got, I've gotten the takeout before, but it's a really hot spot. Um, but definitely the harbor. That's a very touristy spot, but also it's really pretty, and that's where um used to go out with friends. Um, I'd probably recommend Uptown. That's kind of the downtown, not downtown. It's kind of where all the shops are at and restaurants where um, – all the hustle and bustle stuff happens, I guess. It's kind of, it's such a small town. There's like two sections, there's downtown and there's uptown. And so um, definitely those two spots are probably the big spots you'd want to hit. And then if you'd want to get, you know, in a neighborhood, we got a really cool fort we built when I have from elementary school through middle school. Um, it's got trenches, it's got airsoft stuff. It's pretty cool. So I'd give you a personal tour of that too. So you got to come come visit sometime. Oh my goodness, that sounds incredible. I love the Northwest. I love it. So absolutely, that sounds like a place I'd love to hit up. Now tell me about your family a little bit. I've been able to develop relationships with your parents. I'd love to know a little bit more about your family. Tell us their names, kind of what your parents do, uh, and, and about your siblings and any other family members that you'd like to mention. Okay, so my mom's Kim Maxwell. My dad's Steve. Um, dad's a banker. My mom was a teacher, um, then she became a stay-at-home mom. And then I have a twin brother who is 12 minutes younger. He will say it's 11 minutes, but it's definitely 12. I was there before him, so I know. Um, and then I have a cat uh, named Astro, who's hilarious. He thinks he's a dog. But um, my brother, everyone in my family, it's kind of funny. We all play sports. We all love sports, except my brother. He's kind of like the black sheep of the family, just take his own path. 
Um, he used to kind of bounce around and what he liked, but now he's, he's an amazing guitar player. He taught himself how to play three different guitars, how to play the piano. He's an amazing singer. He leads worship at our church. So he's definitely extraordinary in a different, in a different way besides sports. Um, so we're, even though we're twins, we're completely different, but yeah, I guess it's my family in a nutshell. That's incredible. That's a talent right there. Yes, for sure. I don't know where he gets it because half our family is tone deaf. So I, I don't know where he comes from. Oh, goodness. Uh, now, I'd love to know, what are some things that you like to do? What, what, what does Brenna Maxwell like to do in her free time? Play basketball. That's it? Yeah, I, that's about it. I love playing basketball. That's where I have the most fun. It's where it's like my therapy. It's I think the most fun thing I like to do, and that's playing basketball for me. It's, it was like my whole life. <laughs> well, that was a pretty easy answer. No doubt about that. If I were to ask you, what is one thing that not many people know about you? How would you answer that? Um, I played the saxophone for three years in middle school. I was um, pretty serious about it. I kind of was a, a thing for three years. I was in this like jazz band. I go in before school or like early in the morning and be in the jazz band. Um, I think I got solos in eighth grade, but I think that's just because I was the oldest kid. Um, but I really wasn't that good. But I played saxophone for three years in my school band. And I probably could not play a song for you now on it. Um, but I, I did at one time know how to play the saxophone. Honestly, that's terrific. One of those things that definitely didn't know about you playing the saxophone. Now to move on since basketball really is your passion and we can tell that. Who's your favorite athlete? Why do you like this person? And what have you learned from this person as you have uh, really watched them throughout their career? Um, I don't think I have a favorite player. I have a bunch of I think I have a bunch of favorite players. I think I just have one. I like, of course, I like Kelsey Plum. So I was just hometown, grew up watching her. Um, we don't play at all alike. So I can't say like I play like her because she's an entirely different player than me. But um, I do uh, like the way she plays and I try to uh, learn from her the way she finishes, like the way she can create contact with her body, initiates that contact. That's what I've been uh, watching film a lot of her on. Um, really like CJ McComb. A lot of people don't know about him. He plays for the Trailblazers. Um, I love his footwork. So I watch a lot of his footwork. Um, really good step back. He's a lot of good counter moves. So look at that. Um, outside of basketball, I think just watching, I think I like Russell Wilson, plays for the Seahawks quarterback. He's just really fun to watch. Um, yeah, I grew up watching Sue Bird too. Um, again, don't play anything like her, but just trying to learn from her. I think I was number, I was number 10 in high school. Um, because of Sue Bird and can continue because of Kelsey Plum. I think those, I think, are my three favorite athletes. Last game that you guys played in was against Oregon, which recently you just saw three players get drafted into the WNBA in the first round. Um, but your last game was against uh, Oregon. Sitting courtside right by your bench was Kelsey Plum. Yeah, I actually didn't know about that until my dad told me after the game. I'm kind of glad because um, I don't think, it would have been, I would have been really nervous, but um, yeah, that was really cool. That's really cool that she came back to, to support the Pac-12 tournament. So it was really, I'm going to wish I got to see her, but you know, if we would have won the game, probably could have met her, but um, next year, next year. <laughs> Who is your hero and why? I don't think I have a, like a hero per se. I know like a hero is like someone that you either like play for or try to play like. Um, for me, I think, um, you know, God gave me a gift to play basketball. So I feel like 
I should just be playing for him because he gave me this gift to play. I think I should do to glorify him, play for him. And I think when I, when I focus on that, you know, um, and just like pray before games and totally focus on him, that's when I have the most joy when I play. And that's when I have the most fun. And that's when I play my best, just, just, you know, not focusing on the outcome, just playing for the pure joy of the gift God gave me. And, um, you know, my teammates know this, like I write verses on my shoes um, to help remind me of that. So I'm looking down or if I'm, you know, stressed and I look down, there they are, there's the verse, that's who you're playing for. Like that's, that's the guy that gave you the gift to play. So I think just using to glorify him and play for him. I mean, yeah, kind of all off topic, but I don't have a hero, but I, I definitely play for him. I love that. That's terrific. That's really, really great. Um, that helps us to go back to the floor now. What helped lead to your decision to attend the University of Utah to play for Coach Roberts and her staff? Definitely the relationships that the coaching staff built with me. They were the first school to recruit me. They were the, my first letter, first offer, first camp, first visit. Everything was like the first with them. And that was really big. It wasn't like they hopped on the bandwagon towards the end of high school. They were there from the start. And that was really important to me. They believed in me from the start. And then also um, the team, when I went on my official, you know, they just embraced me. They let me be myself. Uh, yeah, I had some embarrassing moments on that visit. <laughs> I don't want to dig a little deeper into that. But um, they really just, with the way they handled the situation and just kind of laughed it off, that really um, meant a lot to me. And this, I felt like myself with them. And then also I believed in the vision Coach Rob had, you know, um, a lot of people go to schools that they know they're gonna win, they're guaranteed to win a championship. You know, I'm guaranteed to win at least one national championship while I'm at this school, and that's not really the way I tick. I kind of want to, you know, help a program build up, and you know, maybe not be guaranteed that championship, but you know, still make it happen. In some way, I'm, I'm, I believe in the vision of being a part of that, and I think we still have a great chance of of doing things Utah has never been no never, Utah has never done before. One of the great things that the University of Utah does do and it's not just Utah. I've seen this at a lot of different schools that I've been to Oregon State the most prominent that I can think of. Uh, but what's great about Utah athletics as a whole is after the games, fans can come down and can interact with you guys. They have opportunities to come to like that brunch for example. The great interaction that the fans have uh, with the team themselves. After spending a full season here at the University of Utah, do you have a favorite fan moment from your first year here at the University of Utah? Yeah. Um, so there's this super fan named Billy, um, and he comes to every home game, and he makes these amazing posters for every home game original that he spends a lot of time on. And, you know, win or lose, he's there to smile, to, like, cheer us up or to encourage us. or like, like, great game. And he always wants pictures, and it kind of makes the whole – day and you kind of puts in perspective like what you're um what you're doing this for um so that's really cool billy's definitely one of my favorite fans for sure he's awesome i feel like i can't remember seeing him very much until this year but i after seeing him several times with you just mentioned different posters each and every single game and he goes across gets them all signed that's really cool that's great to have a you know a super fan like that yeah for sure i'd love to ask the question if you could give advice to a young woman who wants to follow in your footsteps and play college basketball, what would you tell them they have to do to be able to achieve that goal? I think the big thing people have to realize is that it doesn't matter what AAU program you're playing for. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're in this big hyped up program or anything, if you just work hard, coaches will find you. If you're, if you're, if you're good enough, coaches will find you. If you just um, put your head down, find a team where you're going to play um, and be able to play in these tournaments and be able to show what you can do. Um, you're going to be fine. You're going to, you're going to find a school. I mean, 
uh, Coach Danny, Coach Snellgrow, um, wasn't even watching my game when she first started recruiting me. Um, she was watching another game and turned over and then saw another team play. So you don't have to be playing for these top-notch AAU teams. You can just, you know, be playing for, you know, your local team. And you're going to – if you work hard, um, be the first one in the gym, last one to leave, you know, you're going to make it and coaches will find you. I think you're a great person to ask that question to because you went to a small school, a 3A school. And as you mentioned, you did say that, you know, you worked your tail off. Um, coming from a small school, and we have a player coming from an even smaller school than the one that you went to coming next year. Um, being from a small school, do you feel like there's anything extra that you feel that you have to do or just kind of what you said, just working extremely hard? I think if you can play, you can play. I mean, you might not be playing for, you know, UConn. Um, you might not get the opportunity, but if you're going to get a chance to play, it doesn't matter what school you go to because your name's going to be out there. Coaches know about you, even if, you know, you're not McDonald's All-American. Like, I was McDonald's All-American. I wasn't ranked very high. Um, but, you know, I'm playing in a Pac-12 school, and I think it's just uh, gives credit to the coaches because they do their job. You know, you don't have to chase around all these schools. You know, if you just work hard, like I said, and, you know, if they're good enough, they're going to come. Well, Brenna, I can't think of a better way to end it than end it with that. Thank you so very much for spending some time with me and, uh, you know, talking about your life, talking about your first year and, and, and as well, giving that advice as well. I think it's just wonderful to hear that, you know, from, as I just mentioned, from somebody that's made it and somebody that's excelling at it. So thank you so much uh, for coming on and for sharing some time with us. Yeah. Thanks, Tyson. Thanks for having me. And that is Brenna Maxwell. Just phenomenal. Appreciate Brenna coming on and giving us just a few moments with her and letting us know what's going on in her life. And I tell you what, I was so excited to ask her the question, what she likes to do, and was not surprised at all with the response. It's a simple basketball. That's it. So Brenna, thank you so very much and look forward to seeing you again soon. Before long, I swear, it feels like it's going to be a very long time, but before long, we'll be back uh, to basketball again. Now, I do want to make sure before we wrap up this episode to give you some notes and some news from the University of Utah around the program, because this is the What You Need to Know podcast, so that obviously includes everything going on at the University of Utah for women's basketball. And we'll start with Leilani Mitchell. She was inducted into the 2020 Crimson Club Hall of Fame, a very, very impressive class of athletes that was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2020. But uh, Leilani Mitchell started her collegiate career at the University of Idaho, where she earned honorable mention as an All-American, was a finalist for the Nancy Lieberman Award watch list as one of the nation's top point guards. She then decided to transfer to play for head coach Elaine Elliott and after sitting out the 06-07 season due to NCAA transfer rules, she was able to absolutely dominate the Mountain West in 2007-2008, where she made an absolute incredible impact, averaging 19, uh, 17 points per game, 8 assists, and 4 rebounds, uh, and led Utah to an NCAA tournament appearance after winning the Mountain West Conference regular season title. She was named the Mountain West Conference Player of the Year and Newcomer of the Year uh, that final season as she played for the University of Utah. She was also named the AP, CBSSports.com, and WBCA All-America teams. Now, Leilani also sits among the tops in a season for assists. In fact, she's number two all-time 
uh, for assists in a season at 240 and also assists per game at seven and a half assists per game. She set the school record for career assists with her average of 7.5 during that season. That is because she only played, uh, like I said, one season for the University of Utah. And so, you know, that's that's one of those things that's incredible to think about, that she was able to become a Hall of Fame inductee after just one season. That just is proof and evidence at just how amazing Leilani Mitchell was and continues to be because her career has stayed impressive. Leilani was drafted in the 2008 WNBA draft by the Phoenix Mercury with a 25th overall pick. She was then traded to the New York Liberty where she spent her first six seasons of her career. She was named the WNBA. NBA's most improved player in 2010 and maybe even more impressively in 2019 just a season ago Leilani Mitchell playing for the Phoenix Mercury was named the 2019 most improved player of the year she's the first player both NBA and WNBA to ever win the award in more than one season. That does not happen very much. So you can see the work and effort that Leilani Mitchell has put into her career after she attended the University of Utah as a redshirt senior in 2007-2008. So I do want to make sure to give Leilani Mitchell a shout out as she was inducted into the 2020 Crimson Club Hall of Fame. Moving on for women's basketball, a little while ago the Utes held their annual banquet, but this year was a little bit different. It was held virtually, but they still made sure to hand out their regular season awards. So these were the team awards that were handed out to the following players. The first, the Charlene Doy Academic Achievement Award. This award's given out every year to the player who excelled the most in the classroom during the season. And I love that this is the first one that's mentioned because... This award is just fantastic and, again, shows more and more just how amazing it is. As I know I've talked about in previous episodes, how great these players are at being able to perform well in the classroom and, as well, perform on the floor. It's truly incredible, and so I do want to make sure that this one gets a lot of recognition. But the Charlene Doy Academic Achievement Award belongs to Mo Corbin, as Mo was phenomenal in the classroom this year. She is the winner of the Academic Achievement Award. Moving on, the Fern Gardner Most Inspiration Award. This award is given out to the player who most embodies what it means to be a Ute. And the winner this year, the 2019-2020 winner, Kiana Moore. Congratulations to Kiana for that award, the Fern Gardner Most Inspirational Award. Award. Moving on, the Weight Room Warrior. This award's given out every season of the player who puts in the most work in the weight room. Without a doubt, this one belongs to, this is handed out, by the way, uh, by Randy Towner, the Director of Sports Performance, and it was given out to Julie Brasseau, the 2019-2020 winner. The Training Room Troll Award. This award is given out every season to the player who spends the most time in the training room. This was handed out by the trainer, Claire Donsky, and the 2019-2020 winner, Denisha Provo. And finally, we'll end with the Army Man Award. This award's going out to the player who has racked up the most Army men. The coaching staff, they give out little Army men. Uh, There's four different colors, uh, win or loss, doesn't really matter. The players collect them. They set them in their locker rooms. And this is the player that 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 received the most of them. Now, to give you a little idea of uh, of what these Army men are, uh, they're handed out for the following. You receive one if you get five defensive boards, 
three steals, three disruptions. The blue army man, three offensive boards, three assists, or any screen assists. The yellow army man, well, you get five for every charge you take, and you probably already know the direction I'm heading for the winner of this one. And the red army man, which is also known as the fireman, or player of the game. And the player that racked up the most army men this year and who wins the army man award is Drew Gilton. Uh, Drew, as I know you all know, if you've watched Drew Gilton throughout her first two years here at the University of Utah, she is known for taking charges. And you can almost bet that she was able to walk away with that award due to the fact that charges are with five yellow army men. So no doubt about that, the winner this year for the second consecutive year is Drew Gilton. And finally, we'll end and make sure to end on this, and that is the players that have graduated from the University of Utah. I do want to make sure to give a shout-out to these three phenomenal players uh, for their achievements in the classroom. We already talked about one of them, and I'll talk about her specifically uh, here in just a moment, but do want to make sure that I give the other two, the departing seniors who we've already talked about uh, on previous episodes, the accolade. They have both uh, graduated from the University of Utah. They are one of 70 two student athletes uh, that have graduated here from the University of Utah. What's what's even more phenomenal is that these 72 athletes come from all 20 sports that the University of Utah is participating in. So definitely one of those things that is just phenomenal as an institution to be able to say that this many athletes have graduated from our program, excelled in their sport, and excelled in the classroom as well. And finally, I do want to make sure that I give this person a really big shout out, and that is Mo Corbin. Uh, For those of you who are unsure, Mo has decided to retire from basketball. She is going to go home, go uh, go back home to Canada to pursue her dream of becoming a teacher. And so that's what she's wanted to do. And she's got her degree and she will be heading back home. So congratulations to Mo. Uh, She'll absolutely be missed on the floor. And I I, I loved being around Mo. She was one of those players that uh, could always put a smile on your face. And I will absolutely miss Mo when we go on road trips, but um, could not be happier for her and for the direction that her life is headed. So uh, Mo, congratulations on a truly spectacular career and uh, congratulations on graduating from the University of Utah towards the top of your class as well. Just a spectacular person, a marvelous basketball player, and just a genius inside the classroom. So that is Mo Corbin. This is What You Need to Know. I am Tyson Ewing. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Be sure to catch us on Apple Podcasts, on podbean.com, as well as the Podbean app, and online at utahutes.com. Again, thank you to Brenna Maxwell for coming on today's show. Coming up next will be Lola Pendande. I cannot wait to sit down with Lola. She's going to be very fun to interact with. Have a wonderful week. We'll catch you next week. Uh, This is the What You Need to Know podcast. As always, go Utes.